This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton, and I am here, as always, with the wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie, we're back again now on a Friday. We had our brief foray into Tuesday recordings, and we're back again on a Friday afternoon. How are you this fine Friday afternoon, Jackie? I was going to give an indication of what the date was, but that screws up all our... So I'm not going to say the date... You can, though, because I feel like the audience, our wonderful listeners, are aware that we record and then it goes out afterwards. And obviously, yeah, I mean, that does factor in into how we're feeling, doesn't it, on this particular day? Because it is, and I'll leave this to you. Friday the 13th. It is Friday the 13th. Um, Yeah. And for those suspicious amongst you, I mean, I kind of, this is an interesting tangent, typical of us going off on a tangent. This might be the earliest we've ever done it, though. I mean, I kind of... I sign of, you know, I sit on the fence when it comes to superstitiousness or being superstitious, because on the one hand, this massive do you do you say that word? I mean, not I try not to in a theatre. I did There you go. You see, you are then therefore suspicious. Exactly. It's it's very definitively the Scottish play when I'm uh, when I'm in a theatre. However, during the Christmas carol, I did say it a couple of times without realizing it kind of just sort of thinking it didn't count because we were outdoors but it's still technically an outdoor theater uh, nothing thankfully went wrong with the show immediately after i did say the the immortal title of that play um but yeah no so there's that and yes i do have like lucky socks or like lucky pants or whatever you want to call it when i'm watching football matches that have been working really well uh, recently as a main night like exactly right but then on the other on the other hand i'm not like you know i don't sort of buy into the whole rabbit's foot that sort of thing but friday the 13th i do shudder ever so slightly when we hit friday the 13th i'm a bit like i'm not sure but this is more than making up for it recording with you today jackie and we've decided listeners to revisit a subject that we spoke about a few weeks ago on the podcast because once again i mean it hasn't even really gone away has it but insofar as it could have gone away it has roared back with a vengeance this story that we discussed a few weeks ago and that story the subject of this podcast once again is prince harry harry the former duke of sussex as he now is because he no longer is is, or is he no that might be misinformation we don't really know i think they said that they were going to continue continue keeping their titles there you are there you are so is he i mean this is the thing i mean this is like a great place to start isn't it in so far as we're talking about harry and the subject listeners of this podcast is going to be his interviews plural because he did one with tom bradby and itv he recently did one with stephen colbert and the late show over in the u.s who knows where he's going to go next in terms of interviews that are kind of part of his marketing for this book that is on its way alice my wonderful wife has ordered the book it's en route now as we speak and i'm going to tuck into that uh, like it or low that i'm going to tuck straight into the book but harry's been doing these interviews and there's an element of ambiguity still i mean i definitely look it up and find the actual information so i don't want to spread misinformation on this podcast that's the last thing we want to do but well, is he prince know. harry is he harry i mean what's what's the vibe yeah, there i don't know it's a good living case study isn't it it's a good yeah. living breathing case study of pr from a publicity standpoint in action and it's interesting for us to give a sort of running commentary on why he's doing all of this publicity work 
and you know we can talk about his motivation and everything else but one thing that we were discussing before we even started this is what were his objectives with this whole I mean clearly he's on a publicity round to support the book's publishing but it's all come and this is the interesting thing about timing from a timing perspective and how they've released information about their campaign let's say or parts of their campaign the timing's been excellent you know mm. if you just look at how they you know pre-planned the netflix docu-series and then hot on the heels of that out comes harry's autobiography and you know all of this stuff the timings worked beautifully and the publicity machine in terms of announcements and the build and the swell and the capturing of the press all of that from an execution point I think has been done elegantly and very well and very comprehensively absolutely and they had a strategy didn't they it's quite clear this is very clear and this is going to be something that we discuss as this episode moves along is strategy forms obviously the basis and the foundation of how you then approach the duration of the campaign the duration of the project whatever you want to call it but the objectives within that strategy how successfully does that strategy then execute those objectives achieve those objectives and the strategy insofar as the timing and distribution of the book I mean the book has sold twice as many copies. I was uh, watching something this morning that put this fact forward, which is that the book has sold twice as many copies in its first day as Obama's memoirs did on its first day. And if you think that when Obama released his memoirs, he was, and I would argue still is actually even now, post the publishing of his memoirs, one of the most famous people in the world, that gives you a bit of an idea as to the scope and as to the success, if they're planning on measuring success by the number of copies it sells of this book and this venture that Harry is embarked upon. But I think you're so right to kind of question, not the objectives themselves, because far be it from us to question anyone's objectives. I mean, you can, but, you know, he has his own objectives, but how likely they are to be achieved. And also, why now? What is the end game? You know, I think it's I think it's appropriate to question these things. I mean, what what are your thoughts on on why he's done this? Because this is a huge question at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I don't this has been very long in the making. I mean, mm. they've been, they've been on this trail for a few years now, ever since they quit the UK. They've been documenting themselves, doing the writing and excellent ghostwriter was recruited who's done a fantastic job of writing for Harry I am sure nobody would disagree with me when I say I don't think he could have written that book as eloquently as it has been Mm. why though and the why is the bigger question why and the timing and everything else and this is where I have a bit you know kind of a bit of a problem with publicity for a personal you know using a book or using a venture or using a product from a personal standpoint, I just feel that, you know, he's obviously done it to make his point to his family Mm. in the most public and flagrant way. He's done everything bar running down the street naked, screaming, (laughs) I've been abused. And how that's going to turn out for him, I don't think it's going to turn out very well. And I think I'm almost, I got, I've gone through my various states of emotions about this. At first, I got very kind of like, oh, for goodness sake, shut up, <laughs> you know, get on with it, you know, go away. And now I'm just really quite sad about it. It is quite sad, I think. I think it's sad insofar as I'm inclined to believe things 
generally right as a person you know I, I believe things I believe people and there are bits of his story you know his truth which is something that you know a, you know a phrase that's been thrown around a lot there are sections of his truth that I don't necessarily believe are the whole truth and you know we're hot on the heels of having spoken with the wonderful Eric uh, Eric Cress who um posited this in a slightly different way this idea that you know on occasion things are put out there that aren't necessarily false but they're not also necessarily the whole truth and I think some of what Harry said in these interviews which we'll discuss you know the specifics of in just a moment I think some of what he said is not the whole truth but it's his truth and I think there is a differentiation there I'm inclined to believe him but then one of the things I'm the most sad about and one of the things that I think is sad about the whole situation is that he particularly in the interview with Tom Bradby appears to absolutely fervently believe that there is a way back to the normality of his relationships within the royal family he says at least once but I believe on numerous occasions I have to go back and sort of make more in-depth notes on the Bradby interview he believes his end game to be I want to get in a room and discuss this but this is my kind of route through the rubbish the route through stuff they've done is for me to put out my own story my own truth through the interviews through the book so that I can get all that out there they've got enough of their stuff out there in the past let's get in a room and now discuss what the ins and outs of this are I just don't see that happening I mean maybe I'm being pessimistic it's not in my nature to be all that pessimistic as I'm sure you know you know having known me and and listeners will sort of gleaned as well but I do have an element of skepticism let's say that maybe not pessimism about the idea that that could be a thing I just I don't see how that could happen I know and it's what he's done is he's broken trust you know and trust is such a huge word when it comes to communications it's what we've actually talked about with Eric in our previous podcast you know trusting what big corporations tell you are they necessarily telling you the truth or are they filling us with propaganda and similarly the place that Harry has gone to to tell his story or tell his truth has involved breaking the trust of his family Mm. and would they ever trust him again and I really don't see how they could or how they can and what is more and what he has sort of held up at the central as the central tenet of everything that he's been doing has been listen to me I've been hurting you know I've suffered through all of this you've treated me really badly that's at the center of all of this stuff is how he feels he his family his wife have been treated badly and how they're hurting and how they've suffered. But what he's done, I would argue, via this whole, it's not even even a charade, by this whole exercise, is break and hurt and really abuse other people. He's abused his stepmother, he's abused his brother, his father. Mm. You know, he has cast out, you know, with such for such horrible things about other people and he's told stories about how other people think which is I don't think very fair um I wouldn't like somebody to say oh Jackie was thinking that way about something in in the past I don't think it's fair to talk on behalf of other people the whole thing is rather sorry to sound very British but rather distasteful Mm. instead of doing something very positive with his hurt he's done something incredibly negative And it's not very kind and it's not very nice. And I just, uh, I think that's going to come back and bite him. 
I think so. Yeah. Um, and we won't, we won't say it's going to come back and frostbite him because um, that would be, uh, that would be in bad taste. Uh, that would be in terribly bad taste given what's been released recently. Um, but yeah, uh, puns, puns all over the shop there, but no, there's so much to unpick there in what you said, all of which I agree with. I think, I mean, it's very sad that he's kind of felt the need. A, it's sad that he's felt the need to do this. I think that's the first thing. And, you know, when we did our previous episodes on the Harry and Meghan docuseries and I think we were fair but appropriately critical I think we were allowed to say that actually I think critical is the word of of its execution of its content of the reasons why it was released etc etc and you know we stress again as we did in that episode that it's our opinion and people have their their own opinions on that and that's very welcome and you know it's why we entertain this sort of debate it's sad that he felt the need to do this. That's the first thing. The second thing, and it's really interesting. This is going to sound like a very strange analogy, but my wife and I were watching the Vardy versus Rooney kind of um, live action. I haven't seen. Yeah, watch watch the recreation. There's there's apparently going to be a documentary that Colleen Rooney is going to release. I mean, this is the thing now, isn't it? You know, kind of this is my truth, and I'll put it on a documentary. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to do mine in a few years time. It's going to be. T- <laughs> Tell all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, gonna set the world to rights. My own world. Um, but uh, you know, apparently there's gonna be a Colleen documentary on Disney Plus, I believe. But this was the Channel Four kind of recreation. And what I really enjoyed about it, just as a small tangent, is that there was no dramatization about it. Really, they cut down the transcripts from the court case itself for timing purposes, but nothing in there that was said by the actors playing Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney was not said in court. It was the transcript of the court case. So, you you know, the actors were obviously performing and recreating the personalities that are Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy, but this was what was said. And there was an instance, well, the kind of the case rested on facts. What were the facts of the case? So for the listeners, those of you who are you know listening from abroad, this was the Wagatha Christie case. You know, Colleen Rooney being Wagatha Christie, a play on famous sleuth Agatha Christie and either Wagatha Christie insofar as she is Colleen Rooney investigated by removing loads of her followers on Instagram who was releasing loads of stories to the sun and she somehow managed to ascertain that it was Rebecca Vardy there was no fact there which this you know she won the case it was a libel case that was leveled at Colleen Rooney by Rebecca Vardy so she won the libel case but there is still a case to answer you could argue about whether or not Rebecca Vardy did actually release these stories. I am going somewhere with this. The idea from Colleen Rooney is that Rebecca Vardy, knowingly or otherwise, released these stories to the press. An accusation Harry has levelled at the royal family is that members of the royal family, particularly his brother, William, have briefed the press in the past about things he is doing, has done, or will do that then are published by the media in the UK, specifically the tabloids, which are the subject of his chagrin, as it were, Harry's anger. And that's an accusation that he's levelled at the royal family. Can it I, could be. It could be true. Oh, yeah, go, yeah. His accusation is that their offices have, mm. and it's not just Williams, Yeah, every senior member's offices have been there actively briefing the press yeah. to put throw Harry to, and Meghan to the wolves in their quest to promote the images of Kate, William, Camilla and Charles. And to protect them, yeah, to, to an extent. Now, that could be true. Yeah, so you're right in correcting me there. That's spot on. Now, that could be true. That could very well be true. We don't know if it's true or not. 
we know that Harry saying these things about them publicly is true. He's narrated his audiobook. He's gone on TV and he's said these things. He's reiterated these things. And that's where I'm kind of struggling ever so slightly because there is a sense to which I watch him in interviews and I listen to him narrate his book and I'm about to read the book cover to cover in record speed. I can assure you listeners because I'm just <laughs> going to like tuck right into this. You know, I've got to keep up to date on it. But nothing about the three mediums that I've just mentioned there, TV, audio, and, you know, the written word, there's no ambiguity there. This is stuff he's said. This is stuff he wants his name attached to. So insofar as it's an eye for an eye strategy, insofar as it's in order for us to get in a room, gang, I need to do to you what I believe you've done to me in the past. I don't think the two balance each other out. I don't think it's fighting fire with fire because it may be that his family have, you know, or the offices of the royal family institution have done these things to promote and protect the heir to the throne and our new monarch. But we'll almost certainly never know for sure if that is 100% true because it is an ironclad institution. They kind of lock everything away. We'll never know. There will never be any evidence to suggest that this has happened, potentially. Harry, it's absolutely unequivocal. This is something he's done. This is a crusade he's gone on. And that's where I find it ever so slightly troubling is that he's kind of, if it was something he was so upset about to begin with, why has he kind of doubled down on the same strategy going the other way? I don't particularly understand the take. That's just my opinion. I just think, you know, it's a really odd one to observe. I genuinely think this whole thing has come about because of a lack of foresight and clarity of vision about what his actions were going to result in. I'll sort of quantify that. I think in a podcast a little time ago, we discussed how important it was to surround yourself with good counsel. Yeah. And surround yourself with people who don't necessarily agree with you. Mm. So that you can have a proper debate about what you produce or what you do, what your actions would be. And I think, you know, looking at the path that Harry and Meghan have chosen, they've surrounded themselves with people who have propped them up along the path. And of course, they've propped them up. You know, you look at all these and I come back to my horrible thing about it all comes down to money and money's the root of all evil, but it's true. <laughs> you look at the Netflix producers, they're all going to be rubbing their hands with glee, hooray, you know, this is perfect, this is great fodder for us. And then you look at all the book publishers and, you know, what they want to achieve. And then all the people surrounding those particularly, you know, vast machines of capital. And you just think, you know, they have been absolutely swept along on the tide of their own, I would argue, narcissistic objectives by these people who are going to make a lot of money out of them. And they have chosen to just be with those people who satisfy their narcissism. And unfortunately, that kind of tide and that kind of thing, you, it's very easy for them to have been swept away by it. I would, you know, I would say, I, I, this again, I have sympathy with them because I just think it's very easy for everybody to say, yes, you're right, yes, you're right, yes, you're right, yes, you're right, to think, yes, I'm right. I'm obviously right. Everybody says I'm right. And none of those people would have warned them about the potential backlash that they could face and are starting to face in America. All they want to do is sell their subscriptions and sell their books. They're not bothered about whether 
Harry or Meghan suffer mentally as a result of everybody turning against them, which they're starting to do. Yeah. They don't care. And this yeah. is my problem with all of these interviews he lined up, and those were lined up, they were placed, mm-hmm. and he thinks that we, the public, are stupid enough to lap all that up and not ask our own questions and not have anything that, you know, we think that... Because we we will naturally put ourselves in his shoes. We'll naturally try to think, OK, well, you know, if I felt wronged, I'd want to speak out for myself. But he doesn't... He, he never thought ahead. He just thought, if yeah. I can tell all these manufactured interviews, if I can, you know, go along on this trail, everybody's going to want to listen to my story. I'm Diana's son... You know, I have worldwide popularity. Megan's a well-known actress. Everybody's going to love this. I'm afraid no. it's going to come back to bite him. Absolutely. I think it could well do. And there's so many things in there that we can kind of then unpack and kind of extrapolate a little bit. I think the first thing as well is, you know, you mentioned kind of manipulated interviews. And mm. I think there is very much a sense, and we're going to get onto this now, I think, that he's gone on television both over here in the uk and in the united states in a way that was marketed and was as was going to be markedly different to the oprah interview so the oprah was kind of you know a drop in the ocean you know once in a several month period event and it was very much a you know the straw has broken the camel's back and we need to get these things off our chest and they, oprah they had quite a lot of sympathy after that interview yeah they did and Oprah was there going just say it and you know I'm just kind of basically here to be Oprah and you know you can you can like Oprah you can not like Oprah but she just basically was there as a facilitator and they chose the most famous facilitator she was not an interviewer you know as much as she can claim you know that she interviewed them she did not you know they chose questions Megan went on first then they teamed up towards the end and they just said what they wanted to say which to the best of my knowledge, much as I have no, not a huge amount of experience. I was going to say no experience, but I interview guests on this podcast, um, but I don't have a huge amount of experience. I don't deem that to be an interview. You know, if you're interviewing someone, ask questions that are in equal parts going to allow them to promote their own agenda, but also challenge that agenda in equal measure. And we were led to believe that the two interviews, to the best of my knowledge, they're the two he's done so far. He probably has done other ones that might be released further down the line. To the best of my knowledge, those were marketed as such. Certainly the ITV one was marketed as something that was going to be an insightful look into Harry's story, you know, supporting the release of his book, but it was going to challenge him on certain things. We'll get onto that in just a second. There are inconsistencies is what I would say in some of the things he said. This comes on to kind of the PR point and how he's fared from a PR perspective, which we're going to move sort of towards Mm -hmm. now. There's a really small, like inconsequential one, which my wife actually pointed out, which is that he says in his book oh my first date with Megan she was wearing a black top and like a skirt or something but in the docu-series Megan says oh this is the dress I wore on our first date and it's this iconic blue long flowing dress now that's inconsequential it's superficial it doesn't really matter right but in the framework of say we're he's not on trial I want to stress this but let's just imagine that there's a case being built against him any inconsistencies like that would serve to prove that he's saying certain things to suit a certain you know situation to suit a certain circumstance the bigger example is this whole racism unconscious bias issue which was all over the papers I'd argue that I, this unconscious bias, I mean, he's obviously come up with that to just try and paper over that 
horrible mistake that he made yep. by accusing his family of being racist. I don't he... think anyone would watch the Oprah interview and say that they're not, as a team, they're as a duo, accusing the whole family of positing some racist, you know, theories and opinions. I think you watch that back several times. And, you know, I watched it back when it was aired and I watched it with my wife. I spoke to friends about it. You know, there, there is a racial undertone to the accusation they're levelling at his family. And yet he's gone on record as saying, no, that's not what we said. I don't know. This kind of thing, which I don't claim myself to be. Unconscious bias is the same as. Well, you know, yeah. What's the difference? You're biased. You can be unconsciously racist because you've been brought up by a load of racists. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Conscious or unconscious, it's still racism. You know, exactly. so that's, that's still an accusation, isn't it? But I think what I was going to ask is kind of putting these in boxes, as it were, list rattling off. There's three entities I would like to kind of ask a question of. The entity and the institution that is four, let's go with four, actually. The entity and institution that is Harry and Meghan as a duo. The entity slash institution slash business, if we like, that is Harry alone, because this has kind of been a Harry thing. You know, Meghan, there's not been a huge amount said of Meghan, really. I mean, there has when it's been commentary has happened on TV kind of opinion shows and things. But when it comes to the actual interviews, the book, it's Harry. Be very deliberate on their part. Yeah. The institution that is the royal family. And then I'm going to add a fourth. The entity that is Tom Bradby, ITV <laughs> interviewer. Now, of those four, who has had a good PR fortnight and who has had a not very good PR fortnight? And now I would argue that you could make a case that all four of those entities that I've just listed have had bad PR fortnights. But there's an argument to which, depending on the objectives, one stands out as having had quite a good PR fortnight. If the what objective is exposure, I was actually going to say Harry. No. But I don't know. We could disagree on that. It depends if you're in the, in the all PR is good PR, mm. whether it's bad or not. And if you're in that camp, fine, a blast, you know? you know. He hasn't been out of the front pages. If that is the benchmark that, you know, any any press is good press, whether it's negative or not. Then Has Tom Bradby had a good PR fortnight? All right. I'm just speaking for myself here. <laughs> I actually have always loved Tom Bradby. Now, for those people who listen in different countries, Harry did an exclusive interview on ITV, which is one of our top television stations in the UK, with Tom Bradby, who's one of our top TV journalists in the UK. Tom is also a very good old friend of Harry's who's covered him since he was a very young guy he went to harry's wedding you know he he's one of harry's lads and i really think he's a great journalist anyway normally so i was kind of interested to see what sort of an interview he would give harry because if Mm. anybody if anybody could have had a way of asking some tricky questions it would have been tom bradby because otherwise no other journalist would have got in to interview him so i was thinking i hope tom bradby who has got a brain and who is quite i think quite sensitive to the thoughts of others the, the public that he's serving as a journalist might ask some insightful questions he did not he was not dangling any kind of a fishing hook to get any kind of an interview out of Harry. He was literally, as you mentioned earlier, Lyle, another facilitator for Harry's truth yeah. and Harry's story. And it was just, honestly, 
I love stuff like this. You know, I love the mm. Royals, you know. <laughs> I really do. You know, I, I, I enjoy seeing these kind of live case studies of publicity play themselves out. I fell asleep halfway through that interview. It was you told so me this. Yeah. Dull, boring. It was kind of like, oh, not more of the same. Come on, somebody ask him a decent question. And we said, so- didn't we? Yeah. I kind of felt equal parts. This is going to sound a bit controversial. I kind of felt equal parts sorry for and disappointed with him with with tom bradley sorry for in the sense that there were occasions where i could see he wanted to plug and far be it for me to speculate but there was clearly a couple you know as with all of these things you know none of us were born yesterday conversations happen before you then go live before the cameras are rolling you know these things are discussed and you know where can you go and where can't you go and much as then the introduction will be you've said that i can ask you anything minutes before they go live the opposite has been said and you could see that he kind of maybe did have an angle that he could have pushed towards and just held back for timing for you know having been briefed not to do so we can speculate on whatever the reasons were but disappointed with insofar as you could still do that though there was nothing stopping you doing that this is the thing harry probably had power over the cut over the edit mm. yeah you know he probably had you know part of the agreement was i decide yeah so are we agreed then lyle that <laughs> that everything that we have been seeing on television is highly controlled in terms of the interviewers that he has permitted to ask him questions are we agreed about be. that do you think so I think so. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm, it would amaze me if there wasn't, at the very least, some form of agreement, which was these are things. I mean, for me, and this is, again, a very superficial point, the big example of that for me in between the, I'll, I'll give you that, somewhat dull interview conducted on ITV, you know, a, a brief spark where I thought, hang on a minute, we, we're going to get some juice here, go on, Tom, going for the kill, was when he kind of deigned and deigned is the right word because of the reaction this got, deigned to inquire about this whole virginity story, which I think I've spoken to you about, you know, when we were kind of just briefly chatting about this earlier in the week, which was, you know, it's mentioned in the book. It's quite a high profile mention in the book as well. Parry mentioned this in the book very specifically, clearly for a reason, you know, and uh, I think Jimmy Kimmel has kind of gone on record as saying, you know, when they say write a tell-all book, they don't mean tell-all. They mean like, you know, (laughs) tell some and then like kind of leave the rest of it kind of you know everyone's allowed to have stuff that they they hold dear to themselves he's literally told the world everything I I no idea why that was told that but then Bradby was like so you speak about losing your virginity and you know this is a prince this is a member of the royal family at the time prince yes he's a young man but you know you're brought up in a certain way and you know we can argue about whether or you know the merits of that and things like that but you know if you don't want to be challenged on this then don't talk about it in this book that's going to be read by tens of millions of people worldwide but Bradby goes this is what happened and there was a kind of a chippiness that's at least how I read it from Harry which is that oh we can talk about how you lost your virginity as well if you like well no Harry we can't because Tom Bradby's never written about it in a book Tom Bradby's never gone on tv and talked about it No one knows, rightly, in my opinion, how Tom Bradby lost his virginity, if he even did. Sorry, Tom, I'm sure you have. You know, I'm sure you've got kids and, you know, a partner and congratulations to you. But appropriately, that's kept private. Don't think you have any right to get remotely chippy about that even being mentioned in the interview. And that's how it came across to me. But that was a big, even though it sounds very superficial, that was a big 
you know, line in the sand, you know, that's something I maybe mentioned to you, Tom, before the camera started rolling that maybe you just shouldn't even mention. I'm sorry, Harry. Yeah. You mentioned everything in the book. It's all there in black and white. Nothing's off limits. That's what you said. You know. And this is why I sort of come back to question. What was he trying to achieve? And if he'd been so controlling, which I hmm. think he has been and his people have been, they've been so controlling about this message. Hmm. How successful do you think they've been? Because I'd argue that as this is, and it's still, the ball is still spinning. It's all coming out still. It's all mm. happening. But I would argue that the benchmark for success, if Harry's wanting everyone to be on his side and thinking, oh, poor Harry. Yeah. It's really not the way, it's not It's not panning out that way. No. So I'm going to come back to this from a kind of a completely different angle. Definitely. I'm not going to look at it from a Harry angle or a Meghan angle or anything like that. I'm going to talk about content about messaging and communications for me this is a great case study in controlled content propaganda gone wrong <laughs> because it's not you know okay it's selling books and that's gone right let's you know that's that's just their thing but if you're looking at sentiment and if you're looking at controlling people's feelings mm. as a result of your content building awareness and like and and want for that product or that person, they haven't done a good job with their controlled content. No. And in many ways, this is if you bring this into our real lives, you know, the work that we do at Demoso when we're asked to write editorials or advertorials or promotional sponsored content, this is why I get kind of frustrated by people thinking that everything is controlled in our world because in our world in our editorial world journalists do ask questions yeah you know things are subjected to the rigor of interrogation we cannot control the message entirely because we are asking a journalist to make a judgment on the information that we put in front of them and write it from their perspective yeah and what we were talking about in our last podcast was that with eric was about how to a certain extent big organizations like microsoft and sony and all these big organizations put out announcements that aren't necessarily correct that are inferring their own agenda and Harry and Meghan are doing exactly the same thing as Microsoft are. And because they're so big and they're so, you know, global, everybody's supposed to agree with them. And Everybody what happens when it doesn't? What what happens when they don't? You know, what happens yeah, when people same. don't? You know, it's, this is it. It's slightly different, but it's the same. Same, same, but different. It's yeah. Each of those, those instances are people trying to control the message. And that message sometimes cannot be controlled if it is not authentic and it is not 100% truthful. The lies will come out and the other side will come out. And this is why, I, you know, I always say to people, be very careful about what you put out there. And if it's not 100% authentic, it's not 100% true, be very careful that that will not rise up to bite you. And I won't get on board with anything that I think has two sides to it that, or anything that could be questionable. I mean, mm. there's two sides to everything, sorry. But no, yeah, of course, yeah. Anything that could not necessarily be, be authentic and true. Mm. Now, you can argue with Harry and his story that the way I see it is like the Tiffany blue, right? Some people nice. say it's not blue, it's green. 
blue, 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 blue all day long. <laughs> and neither will agree. And down the middle line is somewhere that's the truth. It's blue, yeah. green. It's blue, green. Yeah. Or that dress, that green. dress that sort of did the rounds on social media. Remember where is that? Is it black and gold or is it white and red or whatever it was? And both. like, there is a dress somewhere where it's probably both, you know, but there is a, there is a dress out there that shows us unequivocally what but i think that analogy you used actually of what we spoke to eric about last week in the podcast of the idea between sort of microsoft and activision that analogy actually stretches really nicely and and sort of retrofits really nicely insofar as and this is something i was going to ask you just to finish off this episode in fact is harry brackets and megan being microsoft and having this huge brand it's not beyond the realms possibility and this might be the first and only comparison ever made between the royal family and the company that is activision um but activision are in and of themselves massive it's not like microsoft is trying to take over you know a small studio activision is one of the biggest game studios on the planet one of the most successful game studios and the royal family is one of the longest serving longest standing most recognizable institutions in the world so it's not a egregious comparison and activision to the best of my knowledge i haven't done enough research on the acquisition and the you know the agreement they're trying to come to have been a lot more radio silent than microsoft have been and the royal family have been radio silent ah oh, well ever since this all came out why is that a good thing so sorry two separate questions there why have they been radio silent is their radio silence a good thing when it comes to strategy in your opinion as a pr professional and when if ever do you think they will break silence on this whole episode because i was about to say they're going to have to but they don't really do they 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 can just kind of leave it if they want to interesting thing they have not and they will not comment Mm. and the media ironically this horrible entity that harry hates so much and holds is responsible for all the wrongs in the world the media agree with the royal family Mm. which is so bizarre so many (laughs) people i've written have from the media have said don't say anything and the reason for this is really simple if you let things take their course they will take their course if you Mm. come on in you're literally adding fuel to the fire if Harry started engaging in a public media dialogue with his father or his brother or his cousin or his aunt. That would just lead to more and more stuff rumbling on. And remember, any conversations via media are subject to intermediary influence. Mm. They're funneled through the media. So anything that Harry has said has been funneled through the media. I'll give you an example. He said that... In his autobiography, he said that he'd killed 25 Taliban fighters in the course of him being part of the British Army fighting in Afghanistan. He said in his autobiography that he felt that he had been trained to treat them not as humans, but as pieces on a chessboard. Sorry, you can hear Ludo's. I don't know if you can hear Ludo. I can hear Ludo's very, very interested in this particular piece of info <laughs> you're putting across. He's whining in his dreams. <laughs> somewhere in his dreams. So Something Ludo would keep quiet if Ludo were to write a book, but this is something... No, I'm joking. Anyway, keep going, keep going. So, yeah, he's, he, said, he said those things in his book. Media has reported that and has put a judgment on that and they have said that 
that was a really stupid thing for him to do and asked all different people in the military, you know, whether they think that was a good or a bad judgment to reveal that detail. That is what I call the sort of the intermediary influence on the stuff that he said. Intermediary influence from the media comes in and pronounces a judgment on it and filters it through to you and me in the form of commentary on the book. Hmm. And then we sit there and think, oh, yeah, maybe he should have really said that about the number of kills. Maybe he has made himself a bit unsafe. Now, Harry then comes back and says, oh, me, all I was trying to do was tell my truth. And this is all being misinterpreted. And all I'm trying to do, and I swear to God, this is true, because this is what he said on The Late Show. He said, I'm just trying to prevent suicides of other soldiers who are going through mental health crises mm. because they have done the same as me. It was extraordinary, wasn't it, when he, when he said that? That was yeah. so lifting, that commentary. So from one thing that he said in his book all the way through to this next big booming statement that he makes about trying to help other soldiers with their mental health. Mm. So that's one strand that I've given you of an information that has has gone from one piece and been sort of exacerbated back to Harry saying another thing about it. Now, can you imagine if somebody from the royal family came and said something about something in the book? You could see how that yeah. would blow up. And of course, they should not get involved in a public media debate about what Harry is doing, because Harry clearly is not going to stop. Yeah. No, not 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 for the time being. No, no, you can't change him. You can't stop him. He is on a trajectory. Mm. Who knows where to? Yeah. This is not going to stop. More stuff will come out. And the royal family, God bless them, having been through so many different scandals, having been through so many different experiences of this kind of thing, mm. from Fergie's toe-sucking incident to Diana's panorama interview, to the fake shake getting Sophie of Wessex involved in yeah. the Andrew. Andrew's oh my god I didn't even want to go down that yeah yeah we won't go there for now <laughs> but yeah I mean there's four there just off the top of your head and there's so many more every, no, but this is really interesting because every time that, that anybody from the royal family spun out of that say nothing Andrew with his notorious Newsnight interview, mm. Harry doing what he's doing. Every time these the, these people have spun out and done something, I'm going to show myself to be this great different person. It's gone, gone horribly wrong and backfired on them. And if if Harry could have done anything, he could have taken a look at what had happened to Andrew. Yeah. Instead, he complains that Andrew, <laughs> the allegedly defiled, <laughs> has benefited from all the things that Harry should have. He's benefited from the security that Harry should have been offered. And yeah. he's a much worse person and a much worse example of a, of a human being. And it's all so tawdry. And I think the beautiful thing is that the, the royal family for under Charles is going to be a smaller, more contained unit. Yeah. Control one thing, they can control their mouths. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely can. Well, control um, the message, but you can control your mouth. And this is it. I mean, I think that's there's so many things in there as well. I mean, the first thing I'll say, sort of semi tongue in cheek, is uh, it's a wonder given the success of the Newsnight interview. You mentioned that Harry didn't uh, recruit Mateless to uh, to be the interviewer because um, I reckon there might have been one or two challenges from her had she been in the seat. Um, she would have done like her or loather. She she'd have challenged him, I think. But I mean, let's not forget who the protagonists are as well in this particular story. I mean, I think it would be one thing if Harry in his book and in these interviews was you know, calling out 
was a phrase I was trying to avoid, but it's the only phrase I can think of off the top of my head, calling out, you know, certain members of the royal family who, as they are members of the royal family, are in the public eye, but they're not who he has actually called out and mentioned. The protagonist being the king of England, the queen consort, so his wife, you know, and his stepmom, the heir to the throne, and his wife. I mean, let's make no mistake about it. They're the four who get it more than anyone else in the book and in the campaign you know of interviews and in sort of harry telling his truth and i think you're right i think the royal family will remain silent insofar as they they should do it's also this is not me bashing the media by any stretch of the imagination but it's absolutely what they want you know they want call and response that's what the media want the reason the media report it in this particular way and i'm not knocking them at all that this is their job is it, you can knock them, you know, they have harassed his family in the past, you know, some behaviour by certain employees Very within the media. And that, yeah. that, that annoys me. Yeah. Sorry, we're trying to, to reduce our potty mouth. <laughs> we know where you're going. You know, you look at somebody like Caroline Wheeler, who brought the issue of contaminated blood to Parliament mm. through her reporting. Look at legions of journalists that have exposed things that we would have never known about if it hadn't been for journalists. It pains me that you have Harry holding up the media, particularly the British media. I'm afraid, I think our British media are pretty spot on, not just because I work in it and what I work with them, Mm. expose stories and bring news to us that helps us and helps us with knowledge, arm us for whatever we need to do in our day-to-day life. Yeah. It is not all hubris. It is not all terrible stuff. It some yeah. of it is really good, rich, important. I agree um, with you. Actually, that does irritate me a little bit that there's not enough specificity. Because what I was, I think, potentially what I should have kind of outlined to begin with is that I think there are appropriate criticisms from him, albeit he's not being specific enough, of certain people who work within the media. And I think the listeners, our audience, anyone who watched the interviews and who's aware of the stories from the past will know who I'm talking about, you know, insofar as the paparazzi, right. You know, who are a different breed. They're a different, you know, completely. I almost think of them not even as a subsection of the British media. They are their own entity. They're their own business. If you like, um, many of them are freelance and they will do literally anything to secure that photo, to secure that story. You're right in what you say though, because He's then kind of gone on record. And this is where, again, you know, if I was part of his PR team, I would have maybe advised him, you know, about being more specific with some of the points he was making is that he's kind of gone, the media have it in for me. And I don't think that's true. I think certain people, and again, I'm going to be careful with what I say, because even me saying certain people within the media can then be misconstrued as oh i'm talking about editors of papers and things like that that's not who i mean the certain people i mean and i am going to be i'm going to practice what i preach i'm going to be specific is the people who are on the ground chasing after him when he's walking down the street which you should expect because you're a public figure but i don't agree in the same way that i don't agree with football players surrounding the referee on a football pitch you know, if the referee's made a mistake, fair enough. The referee in this particular analogy being Harry, if the referee's made a mistake, fair enough. But no one ever deserves to be bustled and harangued and harassed. And I think that's fair enough, but he's not being specific enough. And he's then kind of going on American talk shows and levelling these scathing, sweeping criticisms against the media. And there are people out there who 
have got his back potentially do you know what i mean he want to write stuff about you know what he's doing and what he's getting up to and in a positive you know if not positive at least neutral way this is a guy who you know because of his title former or otherwise we deserve to know a little bit about you know and let's look at really why he's doing it then mm. He says he's doing it to make his family safe, to own his story, to tell his truth. Mm. Bollocks. Sorry. <laughs> he's doing it to make money. Yeah. He's making millions. Oh. I'm saying. And the rest. Millions. Yeah. Doing it to make money. And he will make money. And do you know what? I was watching the Bernie Madoff docuseries on Netflix. I haven't seen this yet, but I, I, I should it watch it, I think. parallel to be drawn. Really? Which is a man that made billions through a Ponzi scheme and was very generous to those around him. You know, they all had yachts and everything else and, you know, big pay rises and everything else. And hang, hang those poor people who threw all of their life savings into his into his company. He ruined, broke lives. People committed suicide. People killed themselves. He didn't care. He made his money. And he said, you know, quite openly, you know, yeah, it was a scheme. It was a scam. I made my money. And this is the same. Harry cannot care about how what his what the repercussions of his actions are. He cannot care that he's hung his stepmother out to dry, that he's brought up all of the he's trying to bring up all of the vilification that she endured after Diana died. Mm. He's trying to recreate all that stuff. He's bringing about pain and anxiety to his family who he purports to want to get back in a room with which is not going to happen no that is it's pure bareface bollocks basically (laughs) he just wants to make enough money so that he can live the life that he wants to live dabble in the things he wants to do that make him feel great about himself and make her feel great about themselves and and hang the rest of everybody else and fine just do that i don't care anymore i don't well, that's want it to i think there's a real and this is where we'll bring this to a close i think because i think i mean i have loved it first and foremost and i know i say that with every episode but i have because i feel like there's been so much like recently in the last couple of days where i've kind of thought oh, i do have an opinion on this and you know i think this is why and this is why listeners you should get in touch if you want to come on as well like you know we are you know you don't have to agree with us you know you don't have to agree with us you don't have to, you can disagree with us you can agree with us but sort of just really i kind of almost felt a bit guilty about having an opinion about something I know, like this it's so sad that's why that's you it that's it. it you know really and, I th- situation. and i think as well it's being played out you know and i think i've said to you before when we've been off air as it were that you know i've had you know, i've got two brothers myself two younger brothers and they might listen to this and i hope you do owen and nilo hope you well but you know uh, they you know we've had disagreements before but i would never dream of you know i think i'd be embarrassed if 10 people saw us have an argument you know and this is being played out in front of millions of people and the same with my dad and things like that is it's a real shame but I think you're absolutely spot on in what you say in in terms of, you know, why he's doing it, because if it was for anything other than the reasons he's doing it, then it would almost certainly a not have happened or b have happened in a markedly different way. You know, there'd be there were options, you know, that he makes out that he had no choice. And that's so not true. Mm. He could have gone quietly off, been looked after by his family, said I just edge away from public life just want to go away and do my own thing we've seen people go through scandals like fergie like the duchess of wessex but i'm sorry he thinks he's too important for that yeah and he's also as well i think trying to claim and again i sit you know i I don't sit one or other side of the fence on this he's you know 
he's positing this theory that he's doing this so that it never happens again. Well, I mean, I you believe that if you want. I mean, I don't think, you know, you can believe that as far as you can throw it, you know, if we're mixing analogies there. But I think the really interesting thing, just to close this off, is going to be now, is that this is going to bob and weave, isn't it, you know, in the next couple of weeks for sure. But we, depending on how you interpret time and uh, and how soon or how far away things are, we exist here in Britain, at least, on the eve of a coronation of a new monarch. And uh, that coronation will involve Harry's dad. Harry's dad is being crowned king. You know, in the most basic terms you can put it in, his dad is being made the King of England officially later this year. Will he be there? We don't know. You know, he was asked by Bradby, one of the few questions that kind of probed a bit. He was uh, asked... And I say a bit, because even then it wasn't a huge probe. Bradby asked, will you be there? Do you think you'll be invited? And Harry was like, I don't know yet. We need to have a conversation. Should he be there? Then there will no doubt be right there in Technicolor, you know, body language analysts and experts, because they'll have to stand next to each other, him and William. And, you know, Harry, if he's invited, will he be part of it in any way? I don't think that the royal family will be that rude as... I think he'll be invited. They'll invite him. I think his father loves him. I think that they will be invited, much like they were invited over for the Queen's funeral. Not Mm. to know that Harry liked, but, you know, everything does have a consequence. And unfortunately, when you have been revealing such deep secrets about your family, the last thing people are going to want you is around all the things that they do want to hold close to themselves. So I think he will be invited, whether he chooses to go, another question altogether and i know listeners as well the big question on everyone's lips as well is if he's invited and if he decides to go with megan will his big brother let him wear a beard i mean this is the thing Oof, you know that was a real sticking point can you imagine if i had turned around to my oh and if you are listening in particular my middle brother if i have ever in my life insisted you don't wear a beard this is a, a sort of small scathe on on william if i ever at any point say shave your beard Tell me where to go. Um, literary thing. I have. Oh no, I get that. Yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't wear the beards with their uniforms, and that's something that the whole of the. the yeah. And again, Harry. How about Harry? If Harry had a, if Harry had an issue with that, just don't, don't. Like, we don't need to hear that you had an issue with that. That's such a small thing. Like, anyway, it's all been a big melodrama. We haven't even got into, and it's good you actually. Talk I haven't even thought about because the question I was going to ask you is what would you call your memoirs because I haven't even thought about mine <laughs> I don't know I think mine might be Lyle Fulton quantum um and something I like think that I think I quote the queen the Recollect- que- Recollections may be different, may differ. <laughs> I love that. I think we go with that. There you go. We've answered it. But actually, that leads me nicely onto a, a little kind of closing line that I've been planning. Uh, Harry, heir or spare, you decide. We know he's not the heir, but well, he's the heir in so far as he's seventh or eighth and ninth of the throne. But spare is really interesting, isn't it? You know, we haven't even got into kind of the PR ramifications of what he's blooming called the thing, uh, which is extraordinary. But listeners, we have loved this episode jackie and i the second installment of the harry chronicles uh whatever (laughs) we're going to call it uh you'll see what we call it when you listen to it in uh, just a few weeks time from when we're recording this now but thank you once again for joining us on the rsspr few t's and c's just to finish as ever if you want to check out what we've been getting up to on the podcast it's the rest is pr.com you can get in touch with the podcast info at demozo.com or info at the rest is pr.com i've been doing some work on the email address today in fact which is really exciting and uh, if you want to check out what demozo been up to 
to head over to demozo.com and you know i could tell you if you want to see what harry's been getting up to but to be honest where have you been if you don't know what harry's been getting up to you've been living under a rock uh, and i won't link anything out of principle because you know where it all is go to a shop buy a paper buy the book do whatever um but yeah thank you so much listeners for joining us on this episode all about harry and his interviews and we'll see you next time for another exciting episode of the rest is pr bye for now